during this during July, we've been going through this collection of talks through the book of Colossians, and we wanted to gift you this Colossians journal for you to walk through this month. If you weren't able to grab one when you walked in, they'll be on the table as you leave. And on the inside is just this little QR code where you can scan and find the online journal devotional that you can walk through over these weeks. Because I just want to encourage you that I want to inspire you and bring you hope on a Sunday morning. But it's never a replacement for what God wants to do in your life personally and how he wants to speak to you in your own time in the word, in your own time in prayer and worship. And maybe if that overwhelms you, we just want to make it as easy as possible by giving you tools today that you can use to walk through these the, the questions that are in the devotional, to write some things down in your journal. Because I believe when you put pen to paper, man, God really begins to speak to you in a powerful way. When you begin to open your heart out on those pages and read how God is speaking to you, because he can and will and wants to speak to every single one of us, it truly will bring some amazing excitement and truth and foundational understanding into your life. And before I jump into the message, I just want to... I just wanna honor a special group of people here. You guys know that we meet here at Hillsborough High School. It's always a blessing to be here. And we are a portable church, meaning that we set up and tear this down every single Sunday. Our team's awesome. I'm gonna be talking about in a little bit how you can join the team in the middle of the message. But today we walked in and the AC wasn't on. And we live in Florida, so we know what that means. But man, today our team hustled. They did some hard work and didn't complain at all why we got this big fan blowing on you today because we want to serve you and help you. But come on, would you give honor where honor is due to all of our home team who helped make this possible today? Thank you guys so much. I gave somebody a hug and they're like, man, you're sweating. I'm like, yeah, man, no AC when we got here, but we're good to go and we're ready to experience the truth of God's word. So as we jump into it today, I wanna read from Colossians chapter three. It's the third week of these talks. And so we're in Colossians chapter three. We've gone through chapter one, gone through chapter two. And here's what it says in Colossians chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I love this few verses here because it starts off with this word since. Turn to the person next to you, just tell them since. Just whisper that word, shout that word to them, just say a since. And they would respond to you, since what? Glad you asked, turn your attention to the stage, and Pastor Ryan's going to answer that question for you. Since you've been raised to new life with Jesus Christ, all this is possible. I want you to know that it may be your first time in church in a long time. Maybe walk into this place with questions, maybe some doubts, maybe some fears, but I want you to know that Jesus has given his life for you. And when you surrender and give your life to him, he raises you from death to life, from old to new, from broken to healed, from hurt to hope filled. And that's a sense it's already happened. And I love where it says, think about the things of heaven. How many of you guys have ever been having a great day and something comes into your mind that totally derails that good day. Am I the only one or can we get a show of hands? You've been having a good day and something negative pops into your thought life and boom, you go straight downhill. You think about that name they used to call you in elementary school. You think about that bad meeting you had at work or that, bad, that relationship that's a little rocky right now. 
You think about how maybe they got your coffee order wrong that morning, and it just derails your whole thought life because here's the thing, our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So whatever's going on up here is gonna be the direction of your life. And as we see today in verse two, it says, set your minds on things above. Listen, I don't know what's right here right now. I don't know what's going on right in front of you. I don't know what's been placed in front of you, whether it's hurt, brokenness, betrayal, fear, whatever it is. I want you to know today, you can see above those things and you can focus your eyes on the things of heaven and focus your eyes on the things of Jesus and see the things that he has for you today. See the realities of heaven that are available to you. I wanna give you an encouraging statement today about why we can be so excited on a Sunday morning is because the future hope we have changes the way we live today. Don't forget to write that down in your journal this morning, that the future hope we have changes the way we live today. I know there's a lot of bad news at times. There's a lot of hostility and division. I know it just seems like every week there's something new to be stressed out about. I feel like every week, one of the news outlets tries to bring another headline about why we should still be afraid of sickness and disease and all the above. But I'm telling you, I don't, I don't have to live my life influenced by that. I don't have to live my life swayed by what the news or voices in my life tell me because my life is not built on those things. My life is built on the foundation of my future, which is the living hope I have in Jesus. And here's, the, here's what I wanna do today. I have one goal for this conversation. And that's to feel certain of the new life God has given you to replace our old life of sin. We all have an old life. We all have a before Jesus entered our life and what he's done for us now. Some of us, we're all in two camps. We're either after surrendering our life to Jesus and we're trying to move forward with him and figure this thing out and know him better. Or maybe today we find ourselves before that decision to follow Jesus. I want you to know we're all in the conversation today. We're all figuring this out. And my invitation for you is to number one, know Jesus first and foremost, but then to continue to grow in that knowledge. Because I think about it this way, I got my little stool here that I usually sit on during the message. If, if you think about this is the stool of life, right? If I were to sit on this and I were to invite you to come sit over here with me, you would say there's no room. But I know, you know, hey, there's a little room right here. But you would say, I don't really wanna sit there, man. Number one, I don't know you that well. I don't wanna sit that close to you. You're a little sweaty today. But number two, I, that's not gonna be comfortable for me long-term. And I think sometimes we do that with Jesus, where we say, okay, Jesus, I still wanna sit on my life a little bit. I wanna have a little bit of control, but you can, you can have this little space right here. You can like single-cheek it, Jesus, all right? Now, we don't ever say that to him, but that's just what I thought of, all right? You can do that, Jesus. It's okay. I'll give you that much, but I'm going to still have my space. I'm telling you, that's uncomfortable. There's no freedom there. There is no strength there. There is no encouragement there. Today, I want you to realize it's only when you fully replace all of you and all of that old stuff and get up and say, hey, Jesus, you have control. You sit there, and I know that you will take care of those things. You will lead me forward, and you will help me through this life. I wanna pray for you today and let's jump into how we're gonna do that today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I'm just excited to be in church and I'm excited for the message today. God, I pray as we have some conversation this morning, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would open our hearts and help us write some things down that not only inspire us today, but influence our Monday. God, I'm so thankful for all our incredible teachers and kids team that's teaching our next generation about your son, Jesus, and how he can be their very best friend. 
how much he loves them. God, we believe in our kids. We believe in the next generation and we know they can have a relationship with you too. And God, we just pray that you'd be in this room, in our conversation. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all say. Well, give me a good good amen as we start the message today. And would you keep those cheers and excitement going for just 10 more seconds? I want to welcome everybody watching for Local City Online. Come on, give a shout so they can hear you today. So glad that you're with us. Whether you're watching right now or this week, hey, you're a part of our church. I was thinking about, Jonathan, you're good, man. That was beautiful. Thanks, man. Give it up for Jonathan, everybody. does such a good job. Thanks, man. So great, so great. Worship was killer this morning. And I just wanted to encourage you with this little... This little idea of how Adrian and I have begun to build our family around some concepts. As Shepard, our son, he's our four and a half year old son. We got one on the way due in September. We're excited. It's, life's going to get crazy, but we're excited for it. As I said before, we're growing the church the old fashioned way. We're doing our part. The thing is, as we've grown and walked through Shepard through different stages of life, we'd really, we want it to be really intentional about what he's learning and the foundations he's building. So I remember when he first started kind of going to something where he was going to be around people, I wanted to make sure he understood what our family is all about. He started to go to daycare a few years back, and we were taking him, and I would tell him every single morning when I would drop him off, I would tell him three things. I would say, hey, Shepard, we're Millers, buddy. So that means we do three things. We are kind, we're a good friend, and we laugh a lot. And I would say that to him every single day. I would say, hey, buddy, just, just, so know, just so you know, with your friends and everybody at daycare today, you're going to be kind. You're not going to push anyone down. You're going you're to share. You're going to go care for people who are hurting, even at your young little age. You're going to laugh a lot. I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy what you get to be a part of. But you're also going to be a good friend where you're going to make sure everyone feels included. And it's amazing to celebrate when these things actually work. My parents out, my, my parent friends out there would know that when you teach your kids something and you see it manifest in your, your reality, you're like, oh, thank God. It's all for, it's all, something's happening. It's actually working, right? They're saying the things you've taught them. They're making right decisions. And you're like, I don't know. Wow. It really is going into their hearts and into their minds and not through one ear and went out, out the other. This just happened a couple weeks ago. I've been teaching Shepard this his whole life. Hey, buddy, you're kind, you're a good friend, and you laugh a lot. And I was picking him up from school a couple days ago, and some parents of another little girl in his class, they came up to me, and they said, hey, you're Shepard's dad, right? And I said, yeah, that's what you become known as uh, as you grow up, just your parents, you know, your kid's dad, that's what you are. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And they said, hey, we, been, we were on vacation for a few weeks, and we just brought our daughter Scarlett back to class uh, earlier in the week. And the teacher was telling us that when she got there, Shepard ran up and gave her a big hug and said, welcome back, Scarlett, and invited all the, all the friends in class to come and give her a big hug to welcome her back. And I was like, oh, it's working. It's working. Thank you, God. This is awesome, right? And I think when we, when we become understood to the realities that our parents, our spiritual father, is trying to teach us, things like that begin to happen. So here's the, here's the title of today. It's to put to death bad things and put on life the good things God has for us, all right? And really just not, I'm talking about like put to death, like they are gone and we're putting on the new life that Jesus has given us. Remember, in Colossians 3, verse 1, since you've been raised to new life with Jesus, that's what's offered to you and that means you don't have to live it alone. What, what have you been raised to? Religion? No. What have you been raised, raised to? A bunch of do's and don'ts? No. You've been raised to a new life 
with your closest friend, Jesus, who wants to be with you and help you and encourage you and create holiness inside of you, create wholeness inside of you, create hope and strength and encouragement that has a strong foundation. Because what can be your foundation today? The theological understanding of who Jesus is, the theological truth of what Jesus has said. Because all of this is influenced by how well or how deeply we know Jesus. Because here's something that I'm learning more and more in my life. That is, it's really impossible to truly know Jesus and stay the same person. Uh, I know maybe for some of us here in this room today, we have these issues that we're still dealing with. We have these emotions or things that still hold on to us and keep us down, and we are just so fed up with them and we want to get past them. Well, as a follower of Jesus and as your pastor today, I want to encourage you that it's not some self-help tip that's going to get you past that. It's not some self-esteem issue that's going to get you to the other side of that mountain. It's not anything within the self because I am weak on my own. I have no power over this world. It's about realizing that all I have been designed and created to do is to know Jesus more and more in my life and to become more like him. And when I know who he is and know what he said, it's impossible to stay the same. When he says the greatest commandment is to love God and love others, I'm raised to that new truth in my life, and I cannot stay the same. When, God's, when Jesus says you have to focus on those who are hurting around you, to care for them, to understand that I've overcome the world for you, so you don't need to give in to troubles and trials or the storms of your situations. I've overcome it for you. I just give in to that. I just surrender to that. Because there's beautiful realities of Jesus, and I want to give them to you today. The Jesus reality in my life is, number one, understanding that he's God. I need to tell myself every day that I am not the manager of the universe. I did not create the universe, so I have no business in trying to own it and put it to order and figure it out. I can simply say, you know what, God, you've done all this, and you sent your son Jesus so I could know you and have a relationship with him, you're God. You're on the stool, not me. You have full control. I'm just going to tell you, there is, this is kind of one of those conflicting things that make sense in the kingdom of God, but it's this understanding that when you are in total surrender to Jesus, it's actually when you're completely free. When you're in total surrender is when you're completely free. When you're in total surrender and under God's control is when you're actually free to live this life. Because Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. As I've told you before, the reason Colossians is even written is because the church there is dealing with some spiritual truth issues that is tempting them to sway away from the concept that Jesus is God. There's other like mystic teachings going on that saying Jesus was not God, he was just a good teacher. That he was just a prophet of such. And he just, he just kind of lived the example of life that we're called to live. That is not what we believe here at Local City Church. All those things are good, but they are not the supreme thing. The supreme thing in the life of Jesus is that he was the son of God, fully God, fully man, who walked this earth. So when we ask ourselves that question, what would it look like if God walked the earth? We simply open up this little book here called the Bible and see the words of Jesus printed in red and see his actions and his character and simply say, that's what God looks like here on earth. He is his son. He is God. He is first. I trust him. Not because I have to, but because I get to. And it's this beautiful understanding that I get to know God. 
Because also what was happening is in, in the church in Colossians right now is that they were also tempted by some of the old Jewish tr- tradition that was coming in, telling them that life was all about what you do and what you don't do. It's all about earning it through religious performance. And Paul is writing this book to say, no, that's not it either. It's not about what you do or don't do. It's about who you've given your life to. It's not about your behavior. That stuff will change, but it's all about who you say Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the first of all creation. He is the reason why we are here. He is God first and foremost. And what's beautiful about that is it's so in, incalculable to, to understand that Jesus is God. It's, but we're invited to even attempt to know it through his word and through our experience in worship. But what's amazing about Jesus is that he's so big, so powerful, so supreme. But number two, he also hears our prayers. It's not just a silly thing that we say in Jesus' name. That actually has a lot of scriptural truth and foundation to it. Someone one day didn't just say, hey, you know what? I think we should pray in Jesus' name. That might be a good idea. No. It's because Jesus literally hears your prayers. In Colossians chapter 3, what did it say? It said, right now, because Jesus has conquered death and he's moved us forward in our life, he's saved us from our old self and placed us in God's kingdom and rescued us, and right now he's sitting at the right hand of God. What does the right hand mean? Symbol of power, authority. So Jesus is in the power position and the authority position for you and for me. And so when we pray, that's what I want to encourage you with today, because maybe some of us have given into this feeling. It's not about how good your prayers are. Prayer is not, you can't be good, at, good or bad at it. Because if you're praying, you're praying. If you're focused and praying, God, show up in my life. I need you. I need you to be in my family right now. I need you to protect us. I need your provision here. I need your blessing. I just want to know you're real. I would, I would even tell you that if you prayed today, God, show me who you are. I'm giving you one more chance to show me that you love me. He's going to do that. Because it's not about how loud or how strong or how the word choice that we use in our prayers, it's not about that. It's about the audience of our prayers. And our audience is an audience of one. And that's Jesus. And when he's sitting at the right hand of God, he looks over and says, God, here's what they're going through. Here's where they need you. They need you to show up a little bit. They need you to move. They need you to be their heavenly father in these moments. They need provision. They need healing. They need forgiveness. They just need something in your word to speak to them about who they are. They need someone just to put their arm around them. God, would you bring that person to know that the Son of God right now, and this is promised in Scripture, lives to intercede for you and me. What does intercede mean? It's essentially a spiritual word that means to stand in the gap where I fall short, to stand in the gap where I cannot, where I cannot succeed or move forward or be strong enough. Jesus stands in the gap because he hears our prayers, gives a whole new perspective of what we've been raised to. Number three is this, is he acts on our behalf. I like that. Jesus says this multiple times in his life here. I've come to do the will of my Father. I've come to do what God has commanded me. And he acts on our behalf. Yeah, I think about the story of the woman who's caught in adultery. If you're unfamiliar with that story, what happens is there's a woman who's caught in adultery. She's brought forth by the religious leaders of the time, and they throw her down in the dirt And they say, Jesus, the law says that she is to be put to death for her sin. And Jesus acts on her behalf by standing between the stone throwers and the hurting and broken and saying, no, 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 let him who has has no sin can throw the first stone. And one by one, these accusers leave and they give up. And Jesus looks at this woman and says, where are your accusers? She says, they've gone. 
And he looks her in the eyes and says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. See, we have a God who acts on our behalf. If we didn't, if Jesus, all he wanted to do was just tell you what to do and that he was this God that was unapproachable, moments like that would never happen. But they did. And what is Paul reminding us that he was reminding the Colossian church about? To set your mind on those things. To realize that you've been raised to new life by Jesus, not just because, not just because he said it, because he proved it when he gave his life for you and me. When he walked out of that grave alive, he did the work so you could be given it freely. And the, la and the last thing is this, is, or number four is that he loves us specifically. And then I got one more, sorry. <laughs> he loves us specifically. I don't, know what you've, I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what has been done to you. But man, I want you to know this is a place of compassion. This is a place of welcoming and belonging because that's what God does for us. And what you realize about Jesus, the deeper that you know him, the more you put to death those old things and put on the new life, the more you begin to realize that he loves you specifically. I've told you my testimony before. I was a young kid who dealt with insecurity. That insecurity led to anger issues. But now, but now as you grow up, you begin to deal with other weaknesses like it's performance issues or where you find your value. I just want you to know whether you're a pastor or not, you're always tempted with something. <laughs> you're always gonna be dealing with something. But the, pro the, the process is understanding that you're dealing, it, dealing with it to find freedom, not dealing with it and just settling in it. And what's helped me through these deep and dark moments is knowing that Jesus loves me specifically. That when, he, that when I feel this way, when I feel like I've got to perform to get my value, when I feel like I've got to measure up, or if I don't, I'm just a failure, I remember, you know what, Jesus? You know my name. You know my story. You know what I've walked through. You know what I'm going through right now. And you love me specifically in this moment. I think a breakthrough for some of us in this room today would be to realize that when I say Jesus loves you, I mean it. And when I say Jesus loves you, I mean it. Because that's the truth. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what unforgiveness or hurt or addictions or brokenness you're dealing with right now. But I promise you, Jesus does. And he simply wants to say, hey, if you just let me on the stool, I can be there for you. If you would just trust me, I, I can specifically move in that situation. But you got to let go. You got to hand it to me. You got to trust me because I love you specifically. And I'm not looking at it saying like, and sometimes we think love us specifically means, oh, he's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice and I'm not nice. I know it. And we're like, oh, no, that's not what it means. It means that, yeah, he knows all those things and still loves you. He knows everything I've done, will do, or am doing, and still welcomes me and still loves me. And my, the beauty that I know is that at some point, number five, the reality of Jesus is that he will return. That he will return. It's the end of the story. Jesus comes back and creates a new heaven and a new earth. That's what Paul is saying in verse 4 when he says, you will share in all his glory. And it says, when Jesus Christ, who is your life, your life is only found in him. When he returns, eternity is a party. Eternity is incredible, loud, exciting, full of joy and hope. And we're not the guest of honor, Jesus is, just so you know. And that's a good thing. And it's gonna be exciting, it's gonna be incredible, it's gonna be amazing, and it will happen, and it will be how we experience eternity. 
And I live for that day, understanding that Jesus will return. Not in some doom and gloom type thing, but in a relational understanding that's filled with joy and hope. Because again, what does it say in these few verses? It says, to set your mind on things above. Once again, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I would ask you to take some inventory right now. What is your strongest thought? And it's a little more, more deeper than I'm hot right now or I'm hungry or whatever. What is your deepest thought that you struggle with every day or that you think every day? That's the direction your life's going to head. But if every day I renew my mind by saying, Jesus, you're in control, not me. I've surrendered to you. Help me know you better. Create in me encouragement and joy and hope. Help me remind, remind myself that I have been raised to new life through your death and resurrection, nothing that I've done, and remind me to keep my eyes on the things of heaven. One of the longest books in the Bible is the book of Psalms, and it's all about worship. And one of the things the authors in there constantly say is turn my eyes upwards. Turn my eyes to the heavens. Why am I not discouraged by what I see here? Because that is not my reality. My reality is heaven. My reality is where Jesus is. My reality is that the Son of God who wants to know me is sitting at the right hand of God right now praying for me. As we've done this each week, we've talked about the Greek words that Paul uses, who is the author of Colossians. And we take a little peek at the Greek. And the one I wanted to show you today was zeteo, which means to seek and find. But even deeper, it means to aim. When Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your minds, it means that's what you're setting your mind to. But it's also found in the verse that's been our verse for 2022, to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. One of the things that I had to learn when I first got married is that the, one of the constant battles in your marriage will be the thermostat. Especially if you didn't walk, oh, some people are like, oh yes, wow, I didn't know that was going to bring some healing today, some honesty, but it's true because I grew up in a house where, you know, we, I guess we liked it a little warmer. We were more like a, you know, 75, 76 house. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just how we were. Adrian came from a house that was like 70 degrees at night. I'm like, no, I'm freezing. I'm born and raised Florida. We can't do that. And then I became a dad and it became, do you see the power bill with this 70 degrees at night that we're trying to do as we're trying to cool down our hundred year old house, right? Well, what you set the thermostat to is what's going to happen. Your heart, your heart, your mind, your soul, where you set those things it's going to be the temperature of your life. So as much as you're intentional about waking up and trying to wake up early and get to the thermostat before your spouse, be the same way before the enemy in your life who's trying to set the thermostat of, of disappointment and fear and discouragement and pain. Say, nah, enemy, it's 70 degrees in this house. Boop, 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 boop. And you're not controlling anything in my life. You have the freedom and authority to do that. Does that help you today? Also, where you aim. If you've ever been to a shooting range, you realize they say, aim down that way, because anywhere else is dangerous. It's the same way in our life. Paul is saying, aim that way. Anywhere else is dangerous. Aim above. Aim upwards. Aim to the things of Jesus, because where you aim is where it's going to go. I've never 
been to the range or tried to shoot a basket or in basketball and aimed the opposite direction and somehow it went in. It's not how it works. I don't get a bullseye by shooting that way and the bullseye's that way. It only happens when you take a deep breath, focus where you're going, and aim. And I think it's very important every day that we do that. We say, you know what? Jesus, I want to aim at the things that you have for me today. I want to be intentional about where I put my focus. I want to be intentional about where my thoughts are bringing me. And this is where it takes some ownership. This is what Paul is getting to in the rest of chapter 3. Chapter 3, starting in verse 5, here's what he says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. This is brutal honesty, but needed truth for us. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, everybody say, but now, but now. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, but now, but now. Let them know, give them a little elbow. Hey, but now, things are different. You must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I can think of a no better way to describe social media, anger, fear, rage, all the above. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We have to understand that. We're a community. We're a family. We're a house of God. We exist for those who are sitting here and for the empty seat next to us because we want people to know that this is the way to live. What we do every morning in our home team rally is celebrate wins. And my wife shared a beautiful win of we went to the park and we were able to serve these families and hand out balloons, something so simple. And she said a phrase that she heard that was really powerful where people would utter phrases like, oh, I, I didn't know churches were like this. I didn't know they would just come out and serve you and help you and care for you. Well, it's because we're getting rid of all the the junk in our life. We're getting rid of all the evil stuff that destroys the world, and we're trying to build what God intended. We're trying to bring what God has. We're trying to bring heaven to earth and build the kingdom of God here in our community and in our city so that everyone knows that they are welcomed here in the house of God. That doesn't mean he's not going to work on their life and change some behavioral things and get them out of some addictions and hurts in their life. He's going to put them in a new place and change their aim and move them forward. But the example they're going to see is ours. And that's what Paul was reminding the Colossians. Hey, don't get into this stuff anymore. That's not who you are. Jesus is God, and he's exemplified for you how to live this life. And he's alive today. He's alive right now. So therefore, as God's chosen people, I love this, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are all great things I want in somebody. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So here's my encouragement to you today. Jesus has conquered death and is alive today. And that's what he has available to all of us here. And when he walked out of that grave alive, he still began to live. He didn't just walk out of the tomb and immediately go to heaven. See you later. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm out of here. No, Jesus took time. And I'm going to talk about what he did for his season after he rose from the dead. 
What happens after the resurrection? Well, I believe we can see the examples of Jesus' life and how they speak to us today. I, want you to, I really want you to write these down. If you haven't written anything down, write these down as we close, all right? Number one is that Jesus left the tomb, so should we. It's not our home. My fear is that people understand that Jesus is alive today, but they still want to live in their own personal tombs of addiction, of sin, of identities that are anything else but from God. My number one identity I want you to understand is that you are a son of God and a daughter of God. That influences literally everything else. And I want you to walk out of the tomb that you've been living in. Actually, I want you to walk out of the tomb that you've been dying in so that you can live in the new life that you've been raised to because of Jesus. The stone's been rolled away. And I think Jesus would encourage you today that the stone has been rolled away. But listen, don't walk back in that opening. Walk out and stay out. You're alive. The, the grave is not your home anymore. So don't walk back in that tomb of insecurity, that tomb of anxiety and fear and depression. All those things are realities, but they're not your identity. They are not who you are. My fear is, again, I encourage our volunteers with this this morning, is that we are beginning to live more as these weaknesses rather than the victory that we have in Jesus. That, we're, that we say, well, I just deal with this, so that's who I am. No, it's a lie of the enemy. You are alive and free and you are encouraged and strong and you have a foundation that moves you forward. Are you going to get it right all the time? No. We have a lot of things to figure out. But Jesus left the tomb, so should we. Can I get a good amen if that helps you today? All right. All right. Number two, Jesus spent time with and serving people. He lived life together. The first thing Jesus did after he walked out of that grave was go to individual people. He found his friend Mary crying in the garden, and he goes to her and says, hey, it's me. He just says her name. He says, Mary, it's me. She realizes Jesus did what he said he was going to do. He was alive. He goes and finds some travelers out on the road who are walking in discouragement and defeat, thinking that when Jesus died, that was it. It was over. And he stepped in their story and said, you know what? It's not over. I'm alive. Here I am. Let's do this thing and keep moving forward. The next thing that he does is he goes and he spends time with the disciples. They're hiding. They're hiding at home because of the fear that they have. Jesus walks through the wall and says, yo, here I am. Peace be with you. I'm alive. <gasps> what? Yes, Jesus does what he says he's going to do. He spent time with people and he served them. There's an instance where Jesus makes breakfast for the disciples up on the shore of the lake. I don't know about you. I would love to have some Jesus-cooked breakfast. It's probably awesome. Everything's perfectly cooked the right way. Now, if I was Jesus, which I'm glad I'm not, I would say, hey, I just died on the cross, man. I just rose from the dead. Can you guys at least make me some eggs or something this morning? Come on, I'm beat. No, no, let me serve you. That's what we're called to do. That's why we have a couple things coming up next month. I want you just to really think about being intentional about coming to. We have Growth Track back next month. We've got a home team community morning where our, for all of our home team members, but also if you're interested in joining the home team, we'd love to have you there. But Growth Track is your next step to realize how you can serve and be with people and get connected again and see how God's created you with purpose. Let's finish the last two, though. Number three is this. Again, this is after resurrection. You get to put on the new self and daily embrace the actions and character of Jesus. So here's where my little example comes in as we close and the worship team's gonna come up and get ready. So I think a lot of us sometimes, we think about our old life and we realize, yes, Jesus has saved me, but sometimes it's just easier to put on what we've always known. 
It's easy just to put on those things that people say about us. It's easy to put on that stuff that, you know, we remember being hurt by. It's easy to walk around with our death garment on and say, you know what? Yeah, that's just, that's just the cross I bear. That's just what I deal with. That's just who I am. That's what people would tell you. That's what your internal voice would tell you. Put on the death again. Put on the old self. You're never going to be better. You're never going to get out of that hole. You're never going to be rescued from that darkness. Can I tell you, all of those are lies. And what we do every morning is saying, that is not who I am, enemy. You're lying. Whatever internal voice is trying to tell me that, that is not true. This verse tells me to put on the new self, which what do I have to do first? Take off the old self. I would never wear two jackets in Florida. What am I, insane? So I would take this one off. And I want you to know today, take off whatever death stuff you're carrying. Take it off, take it off, take it off. And then, once you get it off, put on the life that Jesus has given you. Put on the life of healing. Put on the life of restoration. Put on the life of forgiveness. Put on the life that the Son of God knows you, hears your prayers, and acts on your behalf. Put on the life that Jesus is making you holy, is helping you see who you are, is bringing wholeness and peace and hope to your life. Now, here's the thing, though. So some, some things, I think we do this sometimes, is that we don't put on death anymore, but it still, like, has a place in our closet, you know? It's like, you know that jacket you never wear, you just keep it because, you know, I might need a winter coat one day in Florida, and you just keep it in there, it's, it's in your closet, because, it, you know, it's just that, you know, I, I, yeah, maybe I still do deal with some of that stuff. Maybe there is some. No, Jesus doesn't partially save anybody. Jesus doesn't partially heal or forgive anybody. It's full, complete, and it's done. So I want you to know today, you got to take this, whatever it is. I don't know what the death is that you carry. I don't know what the hurt is and the old self that you're carrying. You got to take this and you just got to get rid of it completely. You got to put it in the grave. And you got to get the shovel out of God's word of worship together in your church. And you just got to bury that thing so you never see it again. You got to bury that thing and say, you know what? That's never coming back into my life. I'm literally putting it to death because it's dead. I'm burying it because it's dead and never coming back in my life. I'm burying it because it has no say. Jesus is on the throne of my life. He's who is in control. And I'm putting on the new self. Come on, let's give better praise to that today because that's what's offered to us. The last thing is this as we close is to look forward to heaven because our citizenship is in heaven. The most important citizen I am right now, we're blessed to live where we, where we live, in the country that we live in. I will never shame away from saying that. But it's not my true citizenship. My citizenship is in heaven. And when I realize that, it's the foundation that can and will never be shaken. And this is the thing I wrote in my journal that I want to give you today as we close. Live in the present as the kind of human you will become. You may not be fully healed yet, but you can live that way. You may not be fully past those things you've dealt with, those mountains, those hurdles, but you can live that way. Because Jesus is right with you saying, hey, since you've been raised to new life, I'm with you. Let's go. You are forgiven and set free. I've overcome the world. So just trust me. You, begin to, you can begin to put on that life every single day. Maybe this was like drinking from a fire hose today. I know it was probably a lot, but I wanted to kind of close, just give you three simple words so that when someone tomorrow says, hey, would you talk about a church? You can kind of pastor them and speak to their life and you can tell them these three things right here. And that's glory, garment, and glory. 
meaning that I get to experience the glory of God in my life. I can't believe it. I'm putting on the garment of my new life. The Bible challenges us to put on the garment of praise because that lifts the heaviness we deal with in life. The last thing is it wasn't because of me that I can put on that new life. All the glory is to Jesus. All the glory is to my heavenly Father God because I was defeated. I was dead and I could do nothing to save me. But Jesus, but Jesus, but now I have life because of him. I have life because the Son of God is resurrected and alive today. That encourages you today, local city. Can you give me one more good amen as we stand to our feet today? As we close, come on, stand to our feet.